Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and we've got another very special guest on the podcast this week. For the second week in a row, we've got a former All Black. Uh, we're joined by former Cardiff Blues, Auckland Blues, and New Zealand number eight, Xavier Rush. How are you doing, Xavier? I'm good, Ben. How are you? I'm not too bad. Um, how are you finding lockdown, first of all? Not a lot changed for me, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm in construction, so I've got a couple of sites going at the moment. We kind of went to, we, we dropped a, a few of the numbers off the sites. Um, we got a lot of material in before, before lockdown started, so guys that were comfortable working continued to work. Um, and so there hasn't been a, a, a lot of change. Um, I think the government were quite generous for business owners. They kind of, you know, dipped into the to the pockets, which I'm sure will pay for at some point. But you know, helped business owners out, which which was good. Um, it's quite nice having little traffic on the road, that kind of thing. But um, it's good to see, to see things starting to open back up again, um, which is which is nice. Yeah. How has it affected um, your business as well? I suppose you should talk a little bit about that for those who don't know what you do. Well, I. I I've always done construction. So I was a carpenter when I first left school before rugby took over. So I've always um, developed property. I'm finishing a beautiful church up in Abergavenny, turning it into six um, glorious three-story townhouses. Um, they've just gone on the market now. So if people are looking for a, for a, a beautiful property in a lovely town, um, that's one that, that's that's one um, area which I'd, I'd, I'd recommend. And the other um, business is headquarters, which is behind me here. That's the uh, hair transplant company. Um, I during lockdown, I, I managed to still uh, was able to do a lot of you know consultate consulting like we're doing now. So we've got a quite a big backlog now of patients who want to come in now and and have their hair done. They've been looking at their their Zoom hairlines um, or they're shaving their hair off and they're starting to think, oh gosh. It's a bit worse than I thought, um, and they, they want to do something about it. So, um, you know, we're, we're back open now. We're, we're open for for for, for business. Um, we're quite a few people booking just recently who are who are obviously wanting to take that step and um, improve their hairlines and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, we're, we're back open for business now for that, which is great. I was going to say because I imagine the the time in lockdown is a bit like a litmus test for many people when it comes to the the hairlines. So. A lot of people probably worried right. at the lack of growth. For, for me, right. I think it's it's. I could probably supply you with uh, a wig or two, to be honest. You 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 could you you're um you're definitely not politically challenged, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Have you uh, managed to convince any former teammates to to get work done? You got you got you a know, few yeah. teammates who, who are probably worthwhile. There's there's been a couple coming recently. I, I can't say too much. We've actually had a couple of the Bristol Bear players come over the bridge. Um, They've seen the light and come into Wales, and it's, it's actually it's great to be able to start to attract, you know, people from over the bridge here. I mean, we, we are doing a fabulous job. The feedback's been um, has been really good from patients that have had um, procedures here, so we are attracting people from the other side of the bridge, which which is great for a, for a company based in in, in Wales. Um, and I've, I have had a couple of rugby players. I'm not going to mention names yet, but um, I, I might once their results start once they start showing their results off. I, uh, I I will do. <laughs> to be fair, it's 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 something that's quite hard to hide, isn't it? If you go from no hair to full head of hair, I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> You've been in touch. Well, well, do you know it's um it's it's funny um because the procedure you, you have the procedure 
um, you, you leave with a beautiful new hairline. We do, we do a great job on the aftercare here so we can get people looking, you know, like they haven't had surgery within about five to six days. They can actually look like they've had no surgery at all. Um, then the hair fall, the hair we've planted, the actual hairs fall out, the, the bulb and the shaft remain. Um, so people won't look any different about a month after the procedure. But then after about three months, all the new hair starts growing back. So it's kind of a gradual kind of, it's kind of a gradual, uh, it, teases, it teases you at the start because you've got this beautiful new hairline and we get, we get you looking like you haven't had any treatment all within about five or six days. Um, and then it all disappears on you and then it all starts growing back after about three or four months. So it's, you know, some people would like to hide it. Some people kind of own it from the start. You know, others are a little bit more um, coy about about it. So um, yeah, it just it just depends. There's no right or wrong. It just depends on on each individual and how they how comfortable they are, kind of kind of with it. It's, it's funny. I get quite a few older gentlemen who who kind of you know they they're supposed to be aging gracefully, but they don't want to. I I, I didn't want to. I don't want to age gracefully at all. Um, and they come in and they're kind of, oh, yeah, I'm a bit worried what people are going to think and this kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just each to their own. <clears throat> I suppose with that whole hair falling out after a month, you probably get a lot of complaints after a month and then apologies a couple of months later when it does grow back. <laughs> we, 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 we tell people in advance. People are under no illusion. <laughs> they're under absolutely no illusion at, at all. It's just, it just teases you because, you know, after about ten days, your hair looks your hair looks fabulous. Um, after the procedure, you know, you wouldn't even know you've had the procedure, and you you know you're walking around thinking oh, this is great, and then it just disappears on you, and it uh, that's it just te- it teases you at the start. But anyway, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> is there any such thing as a lost cause when it comes to hair transplants, yes. like Tom yes. Shanklin, Martin Williams? Yeah, um, uh, I I originally brought this this center. Well, this I started this this company in. Uh, in Wales, really, because, I, I mean, I played rugby with Martin, and in fairness, he took me under his wing when I first came to came to, to Wales, so I kind of wanted to give something back to him, really, but, you know, having kind of looked a bit more and know a bit more about it now, and, you know, it would be a little bit like trying to grass a Millennium Stadium with a handful of seed, you know, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't really work, so, um, you know, I've, I've explained that to Martin, and he's kind of, you know, he's kind of, you know, accepted that now. He's lucky though, he's still got a, quite a baby face, Martin. Um, and then Tom, Tom's got um, transparent hair. So we could plant, we could plant thousands of grafts and it just wouldn't make any difference with, um, with, with Tommy. But thankfully Tom's still looking buff and he's in, he's in good condition. And, uh, you know, he's got that great charm and chat. So he's, he's still doing all right now, Tom. So what you're saying <laughs> is he could, he could have a full head of hair and we, and we wouldn't know. Oh, Tom might well have a, the same kind of hair as Mama Molotika. You know, he might have the same kind of fro, but no one would ever see it. No one would ever see it, yeah. It's invisible hair. <clears throat> so, that's some trait to have. Um, talk to you about when you first came to Cardiff. What, what was that like when you first arrived? I'd been before. Years ago? I, I'd been before in, when was it? 90, 90 I've been on a... On a on a New Zealand legends trip, we were kind of, we were following the All Blacks in case there was injuries. And one of us could jump in if, if, if there was an injury in the squad or something. And I kind of knew what to expect. This would have been around about 90, when was the World Cup here? 99? 99, yeah. 
So it would have been it would have been ninety nine. So I I knew it was a dark a dark it was it was dark and grey and wet the whole time I I I was here. So when I was first so when I was first looking at clubs abroad, it wasn't number one choice. I've got, I've got to be honest, but I I met I met um. I went and spoke to a couple of the, the, the English clubs, and there was one in particular. It was it was the Worcester Club. There was a gentleman there who was the head coach, and we met for a coffee. And his first words to me were, you know, I like my forwards to be mongrels, absolute mongrels, like this. And then he said, you know, from number one to eight, they've got to be beep, beep, beep. You know, um, he starts going off. This, these were, we're just sitting down for a nice coffee in a coffee shop. It was in South Africa. And I was thinking, there is no way in the world I could deal with this bloke for the next, for the next <laughs> five years. You know, his trains are going to be, are going to be brutal. They're going to be, uh, you know, there's any full contact. I just thought, this isn't for me. Um, the next week I met Bob Norster. In a hotel in Pretoria, the Auckland Blues were playing in Pretoria, um, and so it's easier for Bob to travel down to South Africa than say going to New Zealand or something. So um, they were keen to expand their squad. Um, and uh, Bobby came, and uh, first time I met Bobby, came over and said, "Hi, Zav. Listen, Zav, come and meet the boys. This is David Young, three times British. This is Gareth Edwards." Um, we'd listen, we'd love you to come to, to Cardiff. Um, have you got a girlfriend? We can get you a girlfriend. These are, these are Bob's, these are Bob's first words to me. And I thought, um, I thought, you know, I, I can at least laugh with these people, you know? So I, I, um, you know, and, and in fairness, the people in Wales have been, they've just been wonderful. And, uh, you know, the, the humour of the Welsh, the warmth of the Welsh is the reason I'm still here 15 years later, really. <clears throat> What was the um the, the culture like when you, you came into the blue squad? Dreadful. Dreadful. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> dreadful. We're, we're a pile of crap. I'll be honest. You know, um, um, we weren't. I mean, I think we were. I think we had to requalify for Europe that that year. So we would have been probably ranked. You know, out of all the European teams, six pools of four or something. So yeah, we, were, yeah. we were just scraping in there to be ranked for Europe. Um, I think we had to beat one of the one of the Italian teams the year before I came to to, to qualify. So we, we we definitely weren't covering ourselves in glory. Say the Cardiff Blues weren't covering themselves in in glory. But slowly, um, as you know, the the, the team improved. Um, you know, we put, we probably spent more money in terms of um, bringing in some more foreign influence. Um, you know, the academy system started working when you saw. You know, it was a, a whole, you know, you know, a number of th- factors came. We probably spent a bit more on on overseas players. Um, the academy system started working. The facility started improving. Um, uh, the squad had time together, so we had around about, you know, after about two or three years, we started becoming quite a, you know, a, a, a competitive squad. Um, and I think for about five years, we were ranked. Um, in the top six teams in in, in Europe, which um, you know, for, yeah. considering where we came from, to to have that kind of a um, you know to to be ranked in the top five to beat teams like Toulouse, um, you know it's you know the, the squad I mean made giant giant strides. And I guess when you when you arrived in two thousand and five, Welsh rugby was probably still in that. It was still 
catching up with the, the professional they, thing. So there was probably a bit of a, a drink culture as well. Was it was it sort of train yeah, honest, train train like yeah, sharks, drink like fishes? Well, to, to to be honest, I I don't really. I mean, I'd come from New Zealand. We had a huge drink culture as well. I mean, some of the best teams I've played in, we drank more alcohol than than you know some of the some of the worst teams. You know, I, I, it's it's about getting the right people involved. You know, you could have a you could have a you know a team that really enjoys enjoys themselves after the game, but turn up on a Monday morning re- ready to go. Or you could have a team that likes to enjoy themselves after a game but can't be asked turn up on a Monday morning and and so I, I don't know if it's so much the, the, the drink culture put it this way nutrition across the board and training methods across the board have improved you know in the last in the last 20 years out, out of sight you know um, diets in general just I mean look at young people today they they care about how they look I mean they're growing up in an Instagram world um, you know, they, uh, you know, they're, they're blogging every day, what I'm eating, what I'm, you know, what I'm doing for exercise, this kind of stuff. We're, you know, as a society, we're a lot more conscious kind of how we look and, and, and this kind of thing, especially with the generation coming through. So, you know, when uh, it's a bit unfair to say drink culture, because I've been in drink culture, they've been really, really, really successful. Um, and you, and you enjoyed those, you enjoyed, um, uh, you know, you enjoyed your, your victories. I guess it's it's how you sort of view it as a team, isn't it? If if you if you view that sort of a, a big night out after a win as sort of reward for the hard work you put in across the week, then there's there's nothing better than that, is there? Well, it was, it was a lot of motivation. I'll be honest with you. As, <laughs> as, 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 as a touring team, I remember with Orkham when we were touring with Orkham, we'd, we'd you know we'd be flying to Dunedin and. You know, our sole motivation was to win the game so we could go out and enjoy ourselves. It was a student town. Um, we were young men, um, you know, but come Monday morning, we were going to go hammer and tong against each other, um, you know, in, in fitness games and whatever. We'd be almost ripping each other's heads off because we're a competitive bunch of guys. But come the end of the week, after a game, you know, you've got to kind of release a little bit. Some, you know, that, that, that was our culture. That's what we grew up with, you know. Players these days, I think, are quite different. How, how I mean, society's quite different. You know, uh, you, know you, you you wouldn't have seen groups of youngsters going to coffee shops in my in, in in my day. You know, but I see lots of you know students and school school kids now going and, and drinking at coffee shops and socialising and 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 you know a lot of socialising now happens online. You know, with with you know Twitter and different different kind of uh, you know. Um, uh, um, platforms, you know, so it just it's just uh, it's just a bit a bit different. So yeah, <clears throat> I guess what in in terms of drinking culture, coming to Cardiff, you know, being a being a student city and probably just being quite a wild city, isn't it? I imagine for drinking, I mean, you got the Philharmonic and stuff like that on Thursday nights. Philharmonic. <laughs> a lot of touring teams love coming to Cardiff yeah. because because it's a great night out, and you know. I mean, you've only got to walk down St. Mary Street or something on a, you know, pre-COVID, um, and and, um, and 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 you can see the Welsh enjoy getting out, you know. Uh, hi, I'm Alan Jones. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. One of the stories that I've heard about you, uh, I'm not sure if it's true, is that you um, 
you once you played a few games with glass in your hand. Oh. <laughs> you, had a shard, you, had a, you had a shard of glass stuck in your hand and you, and you played without realising it. <laughs> you had it taped up. But, um... <laughs> yeah, um, I had, a, I had a, half a, a, half a, a half a glass in my hand, yeah, for about, for about a month. I couldn't work out why it wasn't healing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a true story. And um, after a game, it finally started. I just, I went back to the doctor and said, something's not right here. This thing just isn't healing. And so we had a bit more of a poke and a prod. And there's a piece of glass came out, probably half the size of my finger. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was rather uncomfortable. <laughs> quite, quite, quite a dangerous handoff then, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I used my elbow then. <laughs> mm. was, that, was it just taped up and it just wasn't healing? Yeah, basically it just wouldn't heal, and I just couldn't quite work work out what what was happening. <laughs> did, you, did you figure out where the glass had come from? Or um, I I I had um, I had my suspicions. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I can press it any further than that. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think you're gonna get much. I think you're gonna get much more out of me. Uh, uh, um. Yeah, what what else do you do you remember from your Cardiff Blues days? It's funny you said um, Bob Norso said he could get you a girlfriend because I, I seem to was I seem to remember hearing another tale about um, was it you or Tom Shanklin got set up on a date that was filmed by the Analysis Boys? I can't, I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> plead, I plead the fifth. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Shanks, put it this way, I'll, I'll, I learned very quickly that you had to have your wits about you around the, um, the Welsh. Um, you had to be on guard and you had to treat all of them like they were guilty before proven innocent, basically, because if they could, they would. If they could get, if they could get one over you, they, 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 they will get one over you. And all in the spirit of good fun. <clears throat> I was going to say, yeah, there are. There's a lot of jokers in that team, like you, you know, Shanks. You mentioned who. I think people are only sort of realizing what a character he is now. He's retired, but I imagine he was he was like that <laughs> all throughout his career. He likes fun, Tom does. Tom, Tom, he just he's just he's he's witty. Um, yeah, he's got a great he's got a great. I, I live with Tom. Tom was um, Tom was my. Uh, he, he offered to um uh, to put me up when I first came to Cardiff, so he took me under under my wings. He was injured at the time. He had the bad knee injury. Um, the uh, the Welsh team had just come off winning the uh, the first time in a long time won the won the Grand Slam. Did that was it the Grand Slam, two thousand and five. Yeah, two thousand and five. Yeah, yeah. So they won the Grand Slam. So he was top of the pops. Um, I lived with Tom for the first sort of sort of. Year, almost a year, I think. Um, and uh, again, it was another, it was another one of Bobby Norster's um, beauties. Bobby, uh, I remember ringing me up one day and, and saying, "Listen, listen, Zav, um, Tommy Shanklin's had a wee change of domestic circumstances, um, and he would, uh, he was offering to, um, to, to put you up when you first come here." I think it was Bob's way of saying, listen, Zav, um, the budget can't quite stretch far enough to, to get to your own place. Um, Tom's got a, he's got a wee bit of room in the garage if you'd like to bunk in there for the first six months. Um, no, but it, it, it worked out well. Tom, 
you know, he um, he had the run of the town then. He was, you know, he, there was billboards and posters of him everywhere. Um, and he, 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 he was fun. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. <clears throat> He still had a bit of hair back then as well, didn't he? I think terms of he, he, he had a bit on the back. He, he did. He uh, he was doing he was doing what he could with it. You know, he was doing what he was doing what he could with it. <coughs> Make, making making the most of it. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He was. Um, what, what was it like living with Tom Shanklin then? Because he's had obviously he lived with David Flatman as well earlier in his career. So he's had he's had some decent roommates. He's he's fun, Tom. I remember. Um, he was injured for that whole period. So he was, you know, and he was, you know, he was right at his height at that, at that stage, you know, um, he was, he was, you know, he was playing, he was playing good rugby for Wales. Um, but he did have this, you know, he had this underlying knee injury that, you know, unfortunately later on ended his career. Um, but he was, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a period where I was coming trying to prove myself and Tom was injured, living the life of Riley. Um, so it was, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> but he's he 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 is fun. He is fun. He's a, he's a lot of fun, and he's a great guy. <clears throat> then after that, I imagine you managed to um, get your own place. Yeah, there was there was no more. <laughs> Bob Norster wasn't handing you off to anyone else in the squad. No, no, no. It was it was time for me to move on. But it was good for the initial period. When you're in a new city, you don't know your way around to to, to live with someone they can they can they can take you around, take you under under their wing. It was it was really useful and helpful. Even if you were getting stuff for autographs, I assume every five minutes with Tom. If I was getting what? Oh, for, getting stop stop for autographs. Yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. He, he was. <laughs> you know, you could have, you could have had Brad Pitt. You could have Brad Pitt at one end of a bar or Tom Shank at the other, and the, the crowd would have been around Tom. He was popular. He was popular. Where, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I suppose, moving on in your Blues days, what, what are the other abiding memories from your time in Cardiff? Oh, um, there was some decent silverware there, wasn't there? Yeah, I, you know, I think it was just, I, I remember early on, you know, we, we, I remember my first year, we, 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 we lost a lot of games that we could have won. They were 50-50 games. Um, but we had a habit of just dropping them, you know. Like, but the nice thing was there were games there that we uh, – at least we could win, you know. And I remember the next year Ben Blair came over and with his goal kicking, with his um, just, uh, you know, with his attacking, we just made a little bit more of an improvement and maybe – you know, of those eight games which we'd lost the year before, we was, you know, we maybe won six of those games. Um, then the year after, I think Paul Felici came over and then Paul Tito came over. We had the likes of, um, you know, Lee Harpenny coming through the ranks. Um, and also, there was just there was better competition and a better team for the existing Welsh players and Lions players as well. We had three British Lions here. We had Martin Williams, Tom Shanklin, Gethin Jenkins. So, you know, all, all put into to the mounting pot with this, you know, this good academy talent. You know, the um, the uh, the Welsh players we had and some some foreign influence. It just all started to come together. Um, and uh, you know, instead of you know, you, you started going onto the park knowing you could win. 
And when you start knowing you can win, it just changes everything. What's, what's the, the performance that probably sticks out? Is there any one performance that sticks out more than most? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely think the, the game at Twickenham was against Gloucester. Against, against Gloucester. That was like a, that was a, I think it was one of the best games we ever played as a squad. It was a bit of a you know, peaking moment because Gloucester weren't a bad team. They, they were doing well in the, in the premiership. No one, you know, I think they may have even been favourites for that game. If I, if I remember back, um, you know, um, and to go out there, I think we almost surprised ourselves to go out there and put 50 points on them. It was just that, one of those days where everything went right, didn't it? Yeah, but it, it had been building, you know, it, it, it had been building. Um, the other big performance would have been the second half against Toulon again. We went down there. We went overall by that, by by the occasion. Again, we, we thought if we play like we can play, we can win. Um, whereas years gone by, you know, we might not have had that same confidence to go down there and, you know, things would have started getting going against us and, you know, you, you, you think, oh, this, is, this isn't... We just had too many chinks in our armour. But, you know, um, that that second half down there, you know, we came back, we were well and truly out of the game in the first half, but we slowly clawed our way back in and, and, to, and to beat them away from home, you know, to beat them in, in their own backyard down there was a, was a, was a big one. Yeah. What was it like around that period of time? Because, I mean, like you say, you were one of the top six teams in Europe. You know, you reached the Heineken Cup semifinals that year, 2009. And then obviously the year after, you won the Challenge Cup, won the, the FNG by beating Gloucester by 50 points. It, you must have just been, it was just an expectation that the Cards Blues were going to be competing in the latter stages of these tournaments. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, for myself, I think you 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 want to always keep on improving, you know. So you don't you don't really sit there and think we're the finished article here at this point because we weren't, you know. We um, you know, um, uh, you know, there we, you know, we 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 could have still have been, you know, there's still improvements to 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 be had. Um, you know, we would have loved to have obviously, you know, we. We proved in, I think it was 2010, we were almost there or thereabouts to make a Heineken Cup final, you know, and that was probably, that, that, that as a club, that's what you want to, that's your holy grail. That's what you want to, yeah. you know, um, uh, that's what you want to win. So, you know, we, we, we got about as close as, 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 as we could get really in terms of making the final there. Um, it, it, it wasn't to be, but. Still, it was a, it was a still a great journey to get there, but I never thought through that period. Um, you know, you know, we are we, we're, we're number one. I always thought, you know, we, you know, if, if we play well on our day, we're we're a chance. Yeah, we're we're, we're a chance here. <clears throat> and then, how close did you? Um, what was the story behind the, the the near move to Ulster? How how close was that? And what 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 changed your mind? I um. It, it 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 was an interesting one. They 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 made me a really good offer at the end of the day, um, a, a, a substantial increase in what I was getting. I approached the Blues to see if they would match it. Um, they, they they wouldn't really, 
and they gave me a really short time to decide. So I thought, oh, well, okay, I'm going to go. Um, and we then, I then, um, I then played, played a game of golf towards the end. The team was doing well. I went and played a game of golf with, um, with Peter Thomas, and he kind of opened the door a little bit to the possibility of, of what I consider, consider staying. Um, and I was thinking, I said, this would be a nightmare to get out of this. So I've signed a contract, da-da-da-da. Um, he, anyway, we went up to Wasps um, about 10 days later, and we beat Wasps up there. It was, a, it was a big game for the club. And so, and I could just feel the... I was starting to think, God, why am I, why, you know, why am I going now? You know, it would be actually, you know, things are starting to go pretty good here. Um, so, but I also knew, and I also knew things. I also knew the the, the, the squad they were they were building at, at Ulster. They would be competitive in a couple of years as well, and they were. Um, I think they either made the final or won the Heineken Cup. I think they won the Heineken Cup. Um. They made the final, and they made the for two years. I think so, yeah. And they made the Pro Twelve final, twenty thirteen. I, I think. Yeah. I knew they were. I knew they were going to improve as a squad. So, anyway, um, we um, we beat Wasps. I was on the bus on the way home with with. I, I went and sat next to Di. I said, "Listen, Di, if we could maybe look at doing this, this, and this, um, I, I, I would, you know, consider staying." David then went away and, and on Monday morning he said, yeah, we can do that. So I had to fly to, I had to, fly to Ulster and tell them. I, I, went, I, I went over there. I didn't, I didn't want to just ring them or text them or say, I don't want to come anymore. So I went and flew over. I, I spoke to the CEO. They were really reasonable people. They were, they were lovely people. Um, and they were professional people. And so we sat down face-to-face um, and, uh, and had a discussion. They told me to go away and think about it. Um, and then I, I, I decided to stay, basically. So, yeah, so basically, you know, to cut a long story short, oh. No, you're back now, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. So, so to cut a long story short, um, it was a big offer from Ulster. Um, the Blues didn't really want to match it, and then later in the season, they more than matched it, and, and it all – and I stayed. <clears throat> worked out for the best in the end then I guess didn't it possibly <laughs> you never know <laughs> possibly um, do, do you miss your playing days now, you, now you've hung up the boots um um I, I I'll put it this way I I loved my career I loved I played I was professional for 16 years I absolutely loved it um I loved the thrill of of uh, Winning, trying to win each week. Do you know what I mean? Um, obviously, there's a flip side of that coin. You know, the losses are pretty brutal as well. You know, they 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 knock you around. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride. It's ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. But I I, I enjoyed that journey for six, sixteen years. I you know I, I was blessed to have a, 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 a career that lasted sixteen years. I you know um, played alongside and against some some great people. Um, I, I look back on 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 those years with just really fond memories. Um, so um, you know, I, but I, I, you know, it comes a point where you can't do what you used to be able to to do. And I don't, you know, I don't I don't miss playing anymore because I couldn't play like I used to be able to play. So um, uh, you know, I don't I don't miss it. I miss some 
elements of it. I miss the kind of, you know, being supremely fit, you know, um, those types of things, looking after yourself so well. I miss, because it's, it's a lot harder to do when you've got the motivation of a game, you know, coming up or all the time. So it's, it's, it's hard to ever, it's, it is hard to ever replace those days, those days that you've, you've had. They are really unique days in, in a sportsman's career. And it's, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of hit those, those, um, those highs and, and, and whatever you do in life after, because they were such, they are such wonderful, wonderful times. But I look at my life now and, and, you know, um, I'm about eight, eight years retired now and I'm, I'm happy with, with where I, I am in life. I'm happy with the way um, uh, I'm building some businesses and, and, and different things. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was lucky enough during my time to, to, to pursue other interests other than just rugby. I was able to pursue my, my um, building career and then I went into developing when I, when I finished um, uh, when I finished playing and and some other different business ventures, of you know, so I've, I kept myself busy during that time. Um, I didn't throw away my money and you know looked after it and was able then to to push on to to uh, to um, uh, you know to to, to to carry on doing what I'd, I'd like to do post rugby. Then, how much do you do you follow rugby now? <laughs> now that you've um, the boots up, yeah, I'm I'm just starting to 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 uh, follow it a lot more um i think when i first when i first retired i kind of kind of enjoyed a break away from it um i'm now you know i now sponsor i sponsor one of the, the billboards down at the the blues um i uh, you know i go to you know, i go to all the six nations and internationals that are, they're at the stadium um i'd like to start getting back down and supporting the blues more purely just out of a out of an interest to see young talent coming through I, I, I find that quite fascinating um, so you know it's you know it's something I think to start with I, I like I enjoyed the break but now I'm starting to you know find it interesting again and then um, obviously Wayne Pivak is in charge of Wales um, someone you've worked under yeah how, how do you think he'll um, do? Any any anecdotes you can recall from when, when you and Wayne were working together in Auckland? Wayne's Wayne's a, a smart coach. Um, he uh, he puts good people around him. Um, uh, he'll build he'll build a good he'll build build a good team there. He uh, he doesn't let his ego get get, get in the way of things. Um, the players will like him. I was I was. You know, and no, and no disrespect to the people that are in there at the moment. I was disappointed they couldn't retain Sean Edwards. I just thought that would have been a, you know, would have just helped him to having someone experienced from the last campaign, a real key figure, you know, and that would have really helped Wayne. It would have just given the Welsh, that Welsh team that, that edge that you can see now France has picked up. Um, uh, you know, losing someone like Edwards. I mean, I think even Gatlin down in New Zealand is missing having a Sean Edwards Next, next to him, you know, um, you know, the game of rugby is more than just fifty percent defense. I reckon it's about sixty-five percent defense because you'll always score a couple of tries out of having good defense, you know. So, uh, you know, and it just, it just mentally, it just mentally just you know grinds teams down. If they, if they can't go forward, or they can't make ground, and they can't enjoy a game of rugby. 
because they're you know you you enjoy the game when you're playing one and the balls moving around. Um, now if they can't enjoy the game rugby because you know defense like Wales you know, had under Edwards is is knocking you over. I I think it's sixty five percent of the game. So I, I was really disappointed they the the the, the union didn't put everything out there to try and keep Edwards, to be honest. I, I think that was, you know, and whoever's decision it was or however the cards fell, it's always easier to keep someone who's who's been part of it than it is to bring someone in. So I, I, I would have I would have stopped that no limit to, to, to keep Sean there. It was a strange one, wasn't it? Because he was meant to go back to Wigan in rugby yeah. league. And then it looked like he was going to stay with Wales. And then that fell through. So it, yeah. it was almost it, like two it, bites it, of the cherry, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it, was it, 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 fell, it fell through. I wouldn't have let it fall through. You know, the fact that he was thinking about it, I just wouldn't have let it fall through. You know, in any negotiation, you just, you know, you, you, you just, for some people, you just got to do what you got to do. And then look, looking at the, the current Wales team, um, who, who, who's the current player that you, you'd have liked to have played alongside out of this current crop? Um, do, do you know, I, I suppose if I look at, if I look at some of the players there, they're, they're currently, um, <clears throat> you know, Gareth, Gareth Davis, the, the halfback has had a, he's had a wonderful, um, you know, last 24 months. Now, Alan Wynne Jones is a, you know, is a, you know, if, if any team had him in, in their tight five, you know, it would be a, um, you know, a, a, a big, a big plus. Um, it would be nice to see Toby Fartel come back to his best because he's a he's a really inspirational player and he's got talent that you know only a few players are, are, are blessed with. Um, who else we got? Uh, Tipperick's had a great last twelve months. Um, since Sam since Sam retired, I think he's he's you know really playing um, just fabulous rugby rugby at the minute. Um, Jonathan Davis had a bit of an interesting last twelve months with with injury, but the young kid Tom uh, Tom, Tom yeah, Nick Tompkins, Kinson, yeah, he's a um, he's a player I've I, I got high hopes for. Um, uh, um, uh, you know, m- m- moving forward. Um, I'd love to see Reese Patchell reach the level I think he can reach. Um, he's a really, I find him a really exciting player. But in saying that, mine, Dan Bigger, you know, in, in test matches, he is, you know, I, I always look at a at a number 10 and I think it's a, the weaknesses that will be exposed in test rugby. And he's a, he's a player with very few weaknesses, um, yeah. you know, and he... You know, he just he really suits Test match rugby um, because of that because of that 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 reason. Um, so yeah, there's there's you know Wales have, have had a you know they've had a great last period under Gatlin, Edwards, and 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 Howley. They um, you know, it was it was a very really successful period. And I mean, anyone coming in now, they're, they're, they are big shoes to fill. That's why I keep I keep going back to. I would have loved to have seen Edwards stay, but it hasn't happened. So so you move on. <clears throat> so out of all those players, who who's the one then that you would like to play alongside most? You know, for me, it's whoever's in front of me. So someone like Alan Wynne Jones, <laughs> if he's if he's pushing behind someone like a a um, uh, um, uh, Adam uh, Adam Jones, you know, if those two are in front of me, I'd, I'd be happy. 
you know whatever's happening behind is none of my business <laughs> do you know what I mean as long as you're not picking the ball up going backwards exactly that, 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 that's all that's all that matters <laughs> so there was someone like an Adam Jones and a uh, Alan Wynn Jones but the two Joneses were in front of me that's all that matters <clears throat> that's not not a bad uh, couple of forwards to have in front of you is it um, exactly and then going back to, to when you play, who was the best player you played alongside in Wales? Because again, you, you had it a lot. The player, the player I thought could really push himself harder than the other player was Gethin Jenkins. Um, I just thought, you know, he just, he could just, his fitness for a, for a 18 stone prop was, was, you know, phenomenal. You know, or 20, a 20 stone prop, you know, he could just get around like another loose board. Um, and you know he had some he had some wonderful games for 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 Wales, especially around that 2005 sort of era, and also for the Cardiff Blues as well. I mean, he was instrumental in, in our defence and things. He, he just had a huge work rate. So he was one player I thought you know um, you know I, I just thought he was probably one of the top Welsh players I played with. Mike he, Mike Phillips Mike Phillips was another top player. It was it was. A shame to let him go to the to the Ospreys again. That, I mean, that was something which you know was was in our control, and we 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 didn't manage it right. Of course, you'd have been a, you'd have played that day when Mike was playing for the Blues and Justin Marshall was playing with the Ospreys at the stadium when it got a bit feisty. I think I think his, his deal his deal at the Ospreys had been announced. I think was it an EDF Energy yeah, Cup semi final. I can I can remember I can remember I, I can remember some 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 nonsense. I mean, there's always plenty going on when the Ospreys played played. Uh, I can remember Martin Williams trying to hit, but um, Jason Spice. <laughs> I do remember, yeah. and, and, getting, and getting a red card as well. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, um, there was always and then the, the number nines. I mean, it was a bit it was a bit bizarre that they were both. You know, they they had signed the current. Well, just the, the the you know the very recently former All Black number nine and um and and Wales's current number nine. So I mean that I mean you look at that and think you know who's 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 writing these checks. <clears throat> yeah, you you could tell it wasn't gonna something was gonna have to give, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, uh, and then obviously we have got rugby back in New Zealand at the minute. Have you been watching? Super rugby, I, 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 I haven't yet, but I've been just, I've just been from a distance following the, the Auckland Blues. And under, I've had a few texts from a mate saying, this uh, Patrick Tuipolodo is leading the team really well, da da da. So it's nice. To, I, when I went back to New Zealand after I first retired, I was lucky enough to coach um, a few of the guys that are playing there now. And Patrick was one of them. He just came out of school. So it's, um, it's great to see Patrick doing well. And it's great to see the team doing well. I used to play alongside. Um, Leon McDonald and schoolboy rugby um, as well. So it's nice to see him um, coaching the team well as as well. So good to see some results. Auckland's got a Auckland has got the most talent out of all of New Zealand, I, I think. Um, in terms of, I, I think Graham Henry would, would would agree with me in saying that because he used to he used to coach school rugby in um, in Auckland. It's got a, a, a pool of talent that would be envied across the whole globe. Um, so it's nice to see them starting to play and be as competitive as they, they should be. Because their last Super Rugby title wouldn't have been back since, was it 2003? When you yes, you, you, you've done your homework. You've done your homework, haven't you? 
I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. So, yeah, uh, let's talk about the Blues then. Obviously, they're playing Bowden Barrett at 15, which is isn't his preferred position, is it? I I don't know. I mean, he's Bowden Barrett, a, a, a very versatile player. He can he can definitely play 15 well, but I still think he's he's and I still think he was the All Blacks' best number 10. Um, and I don't I don't think I've never met many number 10s who enjoys thinking right. I'll go and start playing 15. To me, it's a little bit. I wouldn't say it's a demotion, but you know, I think most number 10s want to be. A number ten's in control of the game. You know, he's getting the ball in his hands all the time. He's mate. He's calling the shots, and uh, you know, I think. I mean, I, I, I don't know how Bowden feels about it. Obviously, but every ten, every ten I've met, you know, would rather be playing number ten. So, you know, it, it didn't really work for the All Blacks playing him at, at fifteen. I think with the, you know, the defenses and how fast the the line speed is these days. I think having a, a really good threat like Bowden Barrett at ten is a is, is a bonus. You can keep some defenses honest, and also it's really hard to get the ball, you know, sometimes outside of thirteen um, with some of these some some of the especially international line speed. So, you know, um, however, it is good to see um, some good young talent coming through in, in, in New Zealand, especially in Auckland, playing at number playing at number ten. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's good to see Auckland with 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 some with with some real talent in, in the backline. That's the thing, isn't it? It looks like the future is pretty bright for um, for Auckland, which yeah, you know, they, they've had a sort of a few false storms and a few sort of rough years. I mean, I remember Benji Marshall signing for them and thinking that was going to be sort of a, a big turning point for them, and it didn't turn out that way. So it it, it does look now like the Auckland Blues are are, are going to sort of if I'm, be, if be sort of I, think, I think I think they've got Andrew Hoare who was over here for a long period of time um, yeah. as the either director of rugby or the, the CEO or something um, and I think that's a really smart move he's um, you know he's he's been in the game a long time and he's, and he's had a successful reign for a long time in different clubs he's no he's no fool so um, you know and, I, and you can start to see that you know that filtering down from the from the from the top down now, so you know when you start looking at some of the decisions to bring on Benji Marshall, well, I mean that's a hell of a hail mary to throw in there, you know, especially when you know you're looking at Auckland with all the talent that Auckland's got, you know, you've got to be looking from within the the pools you've you've you're, you're, you've got, you know, um, like I said earlier, Auckland's got more talent than any than any um, rugby province in the world. I always think if you, you know, bringing in sort of players from rugby league, it, it works. But when it's number ten, that's like a massive. Yeah, exactly. It's a massive thing, isn't it? To to sort of say oh, you're going to run it's, the team now. It's it's also you're also looking at absolutely huge money, um, for something which isn't guaranteed. You know, um, <laughs> and, and as you say, especially at number ten, I um, uh, you know, you're you're not going to get Benji Marshall for a steal. Um, so it's a hell of a gamble and as a coach you know do you really want to I, I'd rather go and spend that money on a proven number 10 if I was going to go and spend the money you know I, I, I would have offered Bar- Barrett a better contract five years ago yeah well now no, they have they have got Barrett and they've got another yeah, proven yeah five, years, and, five and, years later and another proven 10 that they've signed 
with um, Dan Carter. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can't imagine there's too many sort of Cantabrians who are, who are thrilled with that one. <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> but I think I think Dan was living quite a lot in Auckland, you know, and he's he's had time away and um, uh, yeah, he's had time abroad, so he's probably looking now you know, at his future and he's probably thinking, you know, I'd, I'd rather be in Auckland. So, you know, it's a great way for him to go back and settle in Auckland. Um, so it's, it's a good move from his from, from his point of view. Listen, you you, you won't make too many Cantabrians happy regardless. <laughs> well, hopefully it works out for the Blues and they have a, a, a good spell of it. Um, Xavier, thanks for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure and hopefully the, uh, the business goes well. Um, even if Martin Williams and Tom Shank would never see the benefit of it. <laughs> yeah, th- thank you so much. It's a uh, pleasure, to, pleasure to talk to you. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up a little bit further down the road, yeah? That's not, not a sentence I hear too often, to be honest. What's that? <laughs> not a sentence I hear too often. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you, you were good at this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell my bosses. <laughs> <laughs> you were actually good at this. I've, I've, done, I've done a couple recently, and you're you you're, you're good at this.